Teachers invest a lot of time at becoming better at our work. What are the keys state leaders should know about hosting teacher professional development? Facilitating teacher PD that works and teachers want to attend. That's today's topic on Owl Pellets. Welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. Matt Kreifels and Nathan Connor from the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. Thank you guys so much for being with us here today on Owl Pellets. Hey, we're happy to join you. Yes, thank you for having us. So before we get started here, Matt and Nathan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Well, um, this is Matt, and I am a uh, nine-year ag teacher from Blair High School in Nebraska. And about 10 years ago, I came to the University of Nebraska here at Lincoln, and I helped to prepare our future ag teacher, along with uh, Dr. Nathan Connor here. And I'm Associate Professor of Agriculture Education. I've been at the University of Nebraska for five years now. Um, prior to that, I taught high school agriculture outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Outstanding. So we have got the powerhouse from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln right here. Matt and Nathan, what are we going to be talking about, guys? Well, um, we uh, had the, the privilege of working with a number of high school ag teachers uh, a couple summers ago and putting on a 12-month professional development experience. And in that um, those teachers were able to study a number of scientific topics related to mostly animal science and food science. Uh, we wanted to study that particular process around um, not just the content they're learning, but also how they're learning it through inquiry-based learning and instruction over the course of 12 months. During this uh, professional development, the teachers got the opportunity to experience different labs that were based on inquiry-based learning. And the content focus areas for our project were genetics, muscle biology, microbiology, and nutrition. That's terrific. So uh, tell us a little bit about the study and what you uh, found uh, from the work that you did related to professional development. Well, again, the unique part of this was, uh, in addition to the content, um, it was working with the animal science department here at the University of Nebraska and bringing in those faculty. But um, over the course of uh, one summer, we had three different training sites where um, high school ag teachers from Nebraska and also science teachers were invited as well to participate in this training where they learned about those topics that, that Nathan just uh, referred to. Um, but once they were done, once, once they left us, uh, we wanted to extend that over the course of 12 months. So there were monthly Zoom meetings that happened during the school year. And our study really brought all that together to say, was this useful? Um, how, did, how was the professional development um, looked at? Um, and then also too, how did it improve and increase teachers' ability to teach in these high science areas, genetics, mass biology, microbiology, and nutrition? And then finally too, um, how did they like the idea and the practice of teaching with inquiry-based learning? That's great. Um, one of the things, maybe before we kind of unpack those elements and pieces that you just shared with us, we 
probably make a huge assumption from time to time that everybody knows what we're talking about when we say inquiry-based um, learning. So maybe tell us a little bit about some of the principles or some of the main steps that you're talking about with inquiry-based learning. We have alternatively certified teachers that listen and you know, kind of intuitively, we, we think we know what it is, but maybe give us a little bit of uh, perspective on what some of those core principles are. Sure. How we framed inquiry-based learning to the participants, the ag teachers, and our professional development was we had them think about it um, in relation to the scientific method. So we asked them to get their students to come up with an investigation topic or a research question. Sometimes they, that leads them to developing a hypothesis. And then the students get the opportunity to experience um, an experiment, a lab, or design their own experiment. So then they can collect data and from that experiment. So then the student needs to decide what that data means. What are they going to do with the results from their experiment? How is it going to influence their decision-making process? So that's how we um, thought of inquiry-based learning for this project. I like to think of it as the students in the driver's seat of their own education, um, where a student is helping to not only determine um, like how they're going to do an experiment, but what questions need to be answered or asked in order to answer them. And what's the pathway forward to getting there? Very cool. So I, I am on the edge of my seat. What did you guys find out? What were the what did the teachers think about this year long professional development? They, they really enjoyed it. At the end of the day, um, you know, hallelujah, you know, teachers liked what we did and, and they really appreciated it. Um, and for a lot of different reasons. Number one, um, we, we were able to, to pay them stipends to come in. So that always, always helps, right? Ah, um, and we were able to send them away with a lot of equipment. But through the study, through the study, we found it wasn't just the stuff they liked and, you know, paying them for their time like, every, like we always should, but it was really um, the effects of, what they got out of it and their ability to integrate in inquiry-based learning and also do some things in their classes content-wise that they weren't doing before. They like the accountability that the Zoom sessions throughout the school year um, had on them because during those Zoom sessions, they got to talk with the other ag teachers that participated in the PD and it made them accountable to each other to actually teach the lessons that they were asked to teach. And it made them accountable to design the inquiry-based lessons that they were asked to design and teach for their students. We also found that um, teachers liked the idea. Once they started teaching them, they said, oh, my administration actually wants this. They were aligned to stand, state standards, for instance. Um, they, they want us to do that anyway. This saves me some time. Um, this saves me some ability. Um, we did have a science teacher that was also endorsed in agriculture education. And um, she really liked it because it also addressed the science standards in the state really, really well, uh, which aren't just content standards, but also methodology standards and the inquiry-based learning approach. Well, I think it's really exciting. The thing that, that I really get from all this is, you know, looking at and tracking this over time, because we know that so many of our professional development are just this one and done kind of a thing, move on. I think this idea of, of, these monthly check-ins or, or some, some sort of accountability later on is so important for all the folks listening to the podcast here that are either, if, if you're putting on professional development or you're trying to, to do your own professional development, if there are ways to build in those that re repeated access and content later on that really help re remind ourselves and then ask questions. 
uh, especially with something like inquiry-based instruction to, to do that because we know it's it's new as you mentioned it's a new way of thinking for some some places and your students may not react well to it at the beginning we, we've seen things that sometimes it takes four to six weeks for students to try to, to, to get through this and and you know if you're meeting monthly you can t- actually talk each other down off the ledge a little bit like it will be okay you will get there to do that and so on those monthly meetings, how much of it was just kind of talking people down off the ledge and how much of it was more content kind of kind of focused here? Most of the meeting was the teachers telling the other teachers how their lesson went in their classroom. Some of it were negative things that happened. The students got frustrated. They A lot of um, teachers reported that my students didn't want to think. They, they quit midway through the exercise, and I had to guide them back to getting on topic. But what that did is that allowed for other teachers that had different experiences to give their thoughts and opinions on how they can handle those situations. I think of it kind of like, uh, you know, uh, helping student teachers throughout the course of a semester. Um, you know, there are struggles. We want there to be struggles during, during that and for people to be able to come together um, and talk about those things so they understand it's not just something that they're struggling through, but I think in the struggle is the is the benefit of it. Um, if this was easy for students to do, if inquiry-based learning was filling out bubble sheets and, and having definite answers like a lot of times students think they want, um, that's pretty easy. But inquiry-based learning isn't, and those meetings allowed teachers to be able to come together and see that, hey, I'm not on an island here. And we found it wasn't just struggles for the students. Sometimes the teacher struggled with letting go. Mm-hmm. And giving the power to their students and being the facilitator of learning instead of the one telling the students what they're going to find out. One thing I noticed is um, a lot of times, you know, as a previous administrator, the math teachers all have community. They get together, they get to talk. English teachers get together, they're sharing their methods, they're sharing their results. But ag teachers, they never really had a professional learning community because they're kind of usually the only one. So I love this idea of forming a professional learning community, but it being with other teachers at other schools. I think that that ability to have a common curriculum and then to just talk about how things went, it sounds like that would be a big benefit. One of the things that the teacher suggested in this study was that for the Zoom meetings, that we add pre-assignments for the teachers to complete prior to each Zoom meeting to give them a little more direction and guidance and to have even more accountability. Yeah, it was interesting, the feedback that we received from teachers through the, through the study and informally as well. Um, they, they really wanted to be able to come into the conversation prepared to think about something in advance, you know, um, so that way they're, they were able to articulate on it. And so um, one of the things that in order to do this in the future, I think we do is have a theme for each meeting and be able to um, organize those thoughts and, and prepare teachers ahead of time. So, you know, the 10 minutes beforehand, even if it's just that, you know, they're able to just put their thoughts together around a particular thing. So again, we kind of jumped ahead this a little bit. We talked about on these these monthly meetings, but you had three trainings on site. How long were those trainings? So they, they did that, and, and then they got into the, these Zoom meetings following that. Yeah, so the first summer of this professional development program, 
we had three different sessions and you only attended one session. They were in different regions of the state to make it um, easy for the teachers to, to get there. So it was a two-day face-to-face meeting. So about eight, nine hours a day for two days in a row. During that two-day session, we t- started by teaching about how the brain works, how people learn. We covered what is experiential learning. We covered some different models of inquiry-based learning. But a day and a half of the two days was the students or the teachers actually completing um, four labs in the four content areas, just like their high school students would. So they were the student. And then they got to go home with all the lesson plans and all the um, curricular materials that we developed for them. And we sent them home with supplies to do all the labs. And what was your favorite lab, Dr. Connor? The favorite lab of mine and the teachers was one called Making Poo. The, the, the teachers got to make poop. And it um, showed the digestion system and the feedback from their students was positive. Um, it was inquiry-based and it was really fun and exciting for the learners. I thought you were going to say they just went and had barbecue for lunch. <laughs> no, we didn't do that. A little bit more uh, cerebral than that, but... <laughs> But they could have put barbecue in, in the digestion system if they wanted to. Well, I just said that because I, I got the reaction I wanted. Mike just sit there and shook his head at me. He's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, was just, I was just ruminating on it. Oh, oh uh, you went in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of the interesting things that I saw uh, is I was kind of reviewing the paper that uh, – and I, and I think it's kind of in, insightful if you guys could talk a little bit about it, but even even just challenging the teachers to think about inquiry-based instruction and, and building some uh, lessons around that, that also had an impact on um, their confidence related to teaching the, the technical content as well as uh, um, integrating science concepts. Can you talk a little bit about um, a little bit of the findings related to those two topics? Well, um, it was interesting just to see that their their comfort level and confidence level um, were increased. I think, number one, like what Nathan said, um, they had been through these labs in the summer beforehand. So they'd experienced it as uh, we would expect students might, you know, as they go through the inquiry process. Um, but in addition to that, um, they had the ability to facilitate learning. And so if a result were to come up um, through the student's experiment, um, they didn't necessarily have to have the right answer immediately. They were able to help students investigate. You know, why did this happen? Well, let's go to the literature. Let's go to this resource. Let's contact Dr. Brian Ryland, who was our animal science faculty, um, and able to do that as well. Um, some of the participants also were very specific to say, boy, my students really thought this was a pretty awesome thing because it was tied to the university and that they had the expertise of the animal science department um, in the University of Nebraska uh, behind these experiments and uh, we're able to help them. And on top of the teachers actually doing the experiment, we provided the teacher with all sorts of curricular materials like PowerPoints, worksheets, websites, YouTube videos, where they could find more information on the particular area within muscle biology or genetics or nutrition. And they use those in their classrooms to lead up or teach from after the students did the inquiry-based experiment. And one of the things that some of the participants said was that they now felt like they were connected to the animal science department, at least with one person. 
So they would call Dr. Reiling or send him an email and say, hey, do you know anything about this? And he could either help them or direct them to the right person. So it built a network by um, ag education, collaborating with animal science. It built a network for the ag teachers to feel comfortable reaching out to people. So one question I have is, so I think the study is really enlightening, but if I'm a teacher and I'm sitting at my desk listening to this podcast, what would be, from what you learned, what would be like your top three suggestions or so what's for teachers that are right now in a classroom? What would you tell them to, to consider based on these findings? I think first you need to be open to the inquiry-based learning process and realize that your classroom may look messy. Each learner may be at a different level, some more in-depth than others, and it's okay for the classroom not to look like a traditional classroom with lecture. So be open and learn how to facilitate that process. I think there's a lot of places to learn it too. So if, if you're not a Nebraska teacher and you can't go back two years ago and participate in this particular workshop, um, there are several workshops across the country where inquiry-based learning is built in. Uh, you think of the National Agri-Science Ambassador Program. Uh, there are state and regional agri-science ambassador programs. Participate in one of those things. Um, CASE uses inquiry-based learning as one of their methodologies that's built into their their curriculum as well. And so there are opportunities to do that. And um, once you are okay with the chaos, like it is a lot of fun to teach in this method. Um, oh, sorry. I, another uh, <clears throat> another kind of takeaway is that is that um, don't be afraid to learn some new content. Uh, I don't think any of the teachers that participated knew how to make poo, um, at least in their classroom in uh, an educational context. And so um, these, uh, these new and kind of not leading edge, I mean, muscle biology has been there, microbiology has been there, but they're not always topics that ag teachers choose to talk about. Um, and so the, be open to, to trying out some new, new content and context. I think we all know how to make poo. Maybe just not, yeah. We're just not always thinking about it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of third graders here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, thank you so much for sharing with me. You know, a couple of major things here. A lot of our folks here that listen to Outpellets, you're out there, teachers. Inquiry-based instruction has been around for a while, but we're always working. It's it's a fundamental shift in, in some ways that we were trained, but hang in there. It's tough to do there. Keep going to these this professional development uh, and have that support network to do from there. The other thing I know a lot of state leaders listen to listen to Al Pellet and are part of this. And whether or not you're your um, state I teachers association leadership team or a state staff, or if you're just trying to host different professional developments, I think there's a lot of key principles in here about what it takes to offer good professional development. And it's not just, you know, having these little mini hour sessions all the time. That's not bad. But some of these things that really require change take some of this intensive programs. Like you guys here had an intensive two-day program and then the follow-up. And I think it's a great model. And I really encourage state staff, teacher leaders, really take a look at, at how this was put together and so they can model that thing. And you can really, you can input any kind of topic in there that you want. It doesn't just have to be inquiry-based instruction as well. So two great key lessons from, from y'all's work. So thank you guys for being with us today. Great to talk to you. Thank, thank you. you. And if you want more information on this, take a look, reach out to both uh, Matt and Nathan. Uh, their contact information will be, be on the infographic. Check out the infographic and the resources. Again, 
you're a state leader or you're a teacher trying to do new things, this is a great way to learn more about how to host professional development. But also teachers, look at this, look at this model. It's a good way for you to help figure out what kind of professional development you want to be engaged in because you want things that follow the, this method that these guys showed, showed here because ag teachers like you found it to be helpful. So uh, check out all the infographics. Look forward to the conversation online. Reach out to Matt and Nathan for more information about the great stuff they got going on there at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln Go Corn Huskers. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers. <laughs>